Thanks, Rich. Um, I don't know about you, but I imagine you remember the day that you became a Christian. The day that you asked Jesus to come into your life, to make him the Lord of your life. I remember really clearly that day when I went to God. Um, actually, God came to me and I discovered something about him. I discovered his love for me and his genuine love. And I felt his love. I knew that he was real. There was something about him that made me feel really good. And, and, and I just said to God, God, I want to know you more. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I, I want to make you the boss of my life. And, and I know that in that moment, something happened in my heart. I know that in that moment, something happened in my life. And making Jesus the Lord of my life, making Jesus the boss of my life, um, didn't look like that every single day after that. Even though I knew something had happened, even though I knew the Holy Spirit came to live inside me, I knew that actually that, that each and every single day I was having to make choices and decisions that would actually reflect Jesus being the Lord of my life. And I don't think I always did do that. I don't think that I always made the right choices. I don't think that, that even like um, loving God and believing God and trusting in God that I still made mistakes. And the thing is about God, and the amazing thing about God, and the most wonderful thing about God is that God still loved me. He still was there for me. He, he, he asked me to come into his presence so that he could heal me and restore me and forgive me and so that I could know him again. And he says to me, you know, he doesn't say to me, um, right, Judy, if you wicked person, get out of here. I don't want to know you anymore. You said to me that you wanted me to be the Lord of your life and, and look at how you're living in your life. He never said that to me. He said, I love you. I forgive you. Come into my presence. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to bring you back into that place of being um, in the presence and, and having the purposes and plans for, for your life being fulfilled and outworked. You know, Galatians 5 verse 17 talks about um, you know, how our spirit, it wants one thing and our flesh wants another thing. There's this war within us constantly. You know, and the Bible talks about how daily we have to take up our cross. Daily we have to make that decision, do we follow Christ? But there is this war within us that's, that's trying to stop us or provoke us to enter into his plans and purposes. You know, when um, um, knowing God and living out my life and just trying to, to seek God more and, and to love God more, that, that his Holy Spirit comes and works into my life. And, and I get to a place where increasingly and daily and, and even in the midst of all the mistakes and all the challenges that I make, that God is um, slowly transforming me from within. And gradually, more and more, um, I start wanting the things of God. More and more, I start thinking, actually, I don't just want what I want. I want what God wants. And this is something that just starts gradually happening in my life. Um, Romans 8 verse 14 says that, that when we no longer are led by our own desires... But led by God, we are children of God. Acts 5 verse 32 says that when we obey him, 
He gives us his spirit. John 14, 23 says um, about how um, when we obey his teaching, he comes and lives with us, makes his home with us. So beautiful. You know, he doesn't just pop in and just say, hello, you know, I'm glad that you're being obedient and walking in my ways. He actually comes and lives with us. Imagine that, the God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He comes and makes his home with us when we obey his teachings. 1 John 3, 21 to 22 says this, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Not only does he come and lives with us, not only does he come and makes his home with us and fills us with his spirit and makes us his children, but when we pray to him, he answers our prayers, he hears our prayers, he hears what we're asking of him and he, and he gives us what we ask of him because we obey his teaching. You see, wholehearted obedience is so wrapped up in our relationship with him. It's so wrapped up in who we are in him, in, in making him the Lord and, and the boss of our lives. You know, it's the things that we get and the things that we receive by being wholehearted obedience from him so outweighs what we get from him. You know, we can see that from the beginning of time how disobedience, when disobedience came into this world, it completely changed everything. Everything became different. When we go back to the Garden of Eden when man and woman walked with God and, and everything was perfect, relationship with God was perfect. And then Adam and Eve decided that actually what they wanted was more important to them than what God wanted what God wanted. And so disobedience came into the world. Corruption came into the world. Man and woman became separate from God. Relationship was destroyed because of disobedience. Wholehearted obedience is so connected to our relationship with God. And then as we go through Genesis from, um, from Adam and Eve, we come to the story of Noah. And I want to read part of that story. And it's in Genesis chapter 6. And I'm going to read it from verse 5. Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth human race that I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth was corrupted 
had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Verse 17. I am con- I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to give them, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Noah, verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So there was wickedness that was covering whole of the earth, and God saw a man God saw a man walking faithfully with him. And he was a righteous man, blameless among all the people of his time. And because of this, he found favor with God, with the Lord. And not only had he decided, not only did God decide in that moment when he saw Noah walking faithfully with him, not to destroy all of mankind, he changed his mind because of Noah. He said, actually, in him there's a faithful man, there's a man that's obedient, that's walking faithfully. And so he decided, I'm going to rescue the earth. And not only did he decide that I'm going to rescue the earth, but he decided to do that through a man walking faithfully with him. And he rescued not only Noah, but his family as well. You know, how often do we hear, well, everyone is doing this, you know, and, you know, and we, we can go through life like this sometimes. We think that, that doing certain things and doing certain, um, having certain behavior is okay because everyone else is doing it. But here's Noah walking on the face of the earth where everybody is doing evil. Only evil is in the heart of mankind except for Noah. And he's walking faithfully. He's walking differently to the people around him. Noah caught the ten- attention of God. And so Noah's faithfulness to God meant that God changed his mind in destroying everything. You know, there's something about our obedience to God that provokes him, that makes us favorable to him, that inclines us to him and to, to his heart, that he has plans and purposes for our lives and, and his plans and purposes for our lives are fulfilled when we walk faithfully to him. Do you know if God has spoken into your life, as God has given you a word for your life, That when you walk faithfully with him, when you seek out what does it look like to to live my life walking faithfully with God, those plans and those purposes that God has promised over your life will be fulfilled. And even if you don't know what the plans and purposes are for for your life, God will still fulfill them in your life. You know, when Solomon became king... um, He asked um, God for wisdom in response to God saying to him, you can have anything that you want, anything you want. You've become king and I want to bless you, so what would you like? So Solomon said, I would like wisdom. And this really, really pleased God. 
And God um, was really, really happy that, that he asked for wisdom because Solomon could have asked for fame, he could have asked for wealth, he could have asked for, for long life and the end of all his enemies and, and all of that. He could have asked for any of that, but he asked for wisdom. And because God was pleased, he gave him that and fame and riches and anything that his heart could desire. Solomon was a man that accomplished absolutely anything his heart desired. Whatever he put his mind to, he managed to make happen. He was so wealthy, he was so full of wisdom, people would travel the whole earth to come and see him, and then we would, he would have so many gifts given to him. In, you know, he even did stupid things. Considering the wisdom that God had given him, he still did stupid things to satisfy his, his desires and his cravings. But even, um, to, even with all of that and all the things that he had in his life, all the things that he accomplished in his life, he came to the end of his long life saying this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verse 13 to 14, he says this. He says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Solomon had everything, all the things that he could ever desire. You know, there might even be some of us in this room thinking, if I only had a fraction of what he had, then I'll be happy. You know, there's people in this world that are really striving and really running after all the things of this world for power, for fame, and for, for all the different things that Solomon had. And yet Solomon, at the end of it all, said, actually, this is all meaningless. It's all pointless. It doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't account for anything. In fact, the only thing that, so, that, we, that our life is all about and should be all about is obeying God, fulfilling his commands, looking to him and what God wants. The duty of God is our duty. You know, God, God created us with love in mind. He created us to be obedient to him. The Holy Spirit is pleading with every single one of us to live in obedience with him. You know, we can be like Adam and Eve and we can be tempted into thinking that, that the only thing that, that matters or what matters more to us is what we want more than what God wants. And this can be a real temptation going after what we want and stepping out of God's love. We can read in Joshua 5 verse 6 how it says that about the Israelites, they were given amazing plans and promises. They were going to leave Egypt and go into a land filled with milk and honey. But these Israelites did not enter into the promised land. And the reason they didn't enter into the promised land was because they didn't obey God. And all the way through the Old Testament, we can read story after story about how people who live in obedience didn't receive the fullness of God in their lives and the plans that God had for them. Disobedience, disobedience separates us from God's love, separates us from God's plans and purposes for us. You know, when we decide to live our, um, in our hearts, 
to live in wholehearted obedience to God. It changes our environments. It changes our lives. Obedience opens the way for us to enter into the perfect plan and promises of God. Noah changed everything for all of mankind because of his obedience. An ordinary man, not much different to you or I, an ordinary person just like you and me, made that decision that he was going to walk faithfully. He was going to walk in obedience even amongst the people who did whatever they wanted and lived exactly how they wanted to live. Do you know, it must have felt really, really strange to him. It must have felt really strange to the people that he lived amongst, living like he lived. He must have been so different and so stood out compared to everybody else. You know, I think sometimes we can feel strange, can't we? Even amongst our friends and families and, and colleagues and the people that are around us. You know, when we're, we're, when we're making choices that, that look strange or seem strange. And maybe they're living their life the way they want to live and they seem really happy and, and they're doing things and they're saying things that, that we, we just think, I don't know if I could do that or I don't feel that's right. And, and, you know, and thinking that seems strange because what they're doing seems so normal. You know, living our, our lives in obedience to God not only makes us feel strange, but can also be strange to those around us because we're going against the norm. And I think Noah really did look strange when he was building an ark on dry ground out of old-hearted obedience to God. Obedience does look strange in this world. Our wholehearted obedience, however strange it may seem to the world around us, it catches God's attention and actually brings life not only to ourselves but to those around us. So obedience is actually missional as well. You know, in Proverbs 10 verse 17 it says that whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Do you know that you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for somebody else's obedience? Noah's obedience meant that humanity carried on. Jesus' obedience to the Father, going to the cross and dying a painful and agonizing death and being separated from the Father's love for that moment so that, that we can know forgiveness and wholeness, we wouldn't know that if it wasn't for obedience. And Jesus is our ultimate example of the one who lived in wholehearted obedience. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. He's my food to do the will of my father. It's my nourishment. It keeps me from going hungry. It's why I am here. After 40 days of being in um, the wilderness, Jesus went to the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And the devil came and tried to tempt him with turning bread into, turning stone into bread and, and to, um, to tempting God, to rescuing him. And, and even the devil even offered him all the wealth of the world and the power and the authority if he'd just bow down to him. King Solomon, who had it all, who said that it all amounts to nothing, instead we should fear God and keep his commandments for the duty of all mankind is to, to, to do that. Jesus refused to submit his life to 
anything, to refuse to chase after the things of this world because he wanted to fulfill his duty to God. So wholehearted obedience is also a true sign of our love for God. You know, I mentioned in passing John 14, 23 earlier, but in full it says this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And John, 19, John 15, 9 to 14 says this, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that, my, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each of us as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. God created us for love, and the way we love God, the way we are friends of God, is living in obedience to him. He tells us to obey him because it makes our joy complete. But does that really make any sense? How can my joy be complete if I can't do what I want to do? You know, it just seems strange, doesn't it? Obey me and your joy will be complete. Well, surely, surely if I do what I want to do, then it makes me happy, it makes me fulfilled. But God is saying, no, if you obey me, my, your joy will be complete. That is where you will find your fulfillment. That's where you will find your happiness. Obedience is hard. Obedience means I don't get what I want. Obedience means I really do have to forgive even if they really did hurt me. Obedience means that I really do have to give generously even if it means that I won't have everything that I want. Obedience means that I do have to give my tithes and my offerings even if it means that I have less money to do this, that and the other. Obedience means that I really do have to tell the truth, even if it makes me look bad. I really do have to go back to that shop and tell them that they gave me too much change, even though it's a pain and inconvenient and, and it wasn't even my fault. All those promptings that the Holy Spirit drops into your heart, maybe to make a call or a visit or whatever it is, we do have to be obedient to all of that. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. There is no greater love than laying your life down for me. And yes, your joy will be complete if you do what I command. Another time when joy is mentioned in as a result of wholehearted obedience is, is in Hebrews 1 verse 9 when it says that... Um, that Jesus loved righteousness but hated wickedness and he is anointed with joy far above his companions. Jesus was anointed with joy, so much joy, far above his companions because he hated evil. He hated wickedness and loved righteousness. 
You know, there is nothing more fulfilling, more life-giving, more joy-giving than knowing at the end of the day you've gone to bed knowing that you, by the best of your ability, you've done everything that God has wanted you to do that day. Yes, we are not perfect. Yes, we do make mistakes. And God loves us so much that when we do make those mistakes, he forgives us, he restores us, and he gives us a new day. And he says, right, today is a new day. You've got a fresh start that you can now enter into obedience with me. You can know power. You can know life. You can know your, the plans and purposes for your life starting to work out. And you can know joy complete in your heart. I can't live anymore how I want to live. I can't do the things that I want to do. I can't talk the way that I want to talk anymore that will hurt God's heart. I can't gossip. I can't lie. I can't harbor unforgiveness, be selfish, be self-seeking anymore because I love God. I don't have the luxury anymore to be disobedient, to, to make what I want more important than what God wants. Because I love God. I want to remain in his plans and purposes. I want to see his work out fulfilled in my life. I want to see breakthrough in my life. I want to see breakthrough in the lives of other people when I pray for them. I want to see the sick healed when I lay my hands on them and ask God to heal them. I want to see God answering my prayers. So I have to say to God, God, I love you so much and I desire that so much and I long for that so much that I want to live my life in obedience to you. You know, Romans 12 calls this a living sacrifice to God. This is a true act of worship when we live in obedience to God. Living in wholehearted obedience, no longer living for myself but for God, is worship to God. So we can sing all the beautiful songs about loving him and in worship and telling him how much we adore him and, and all of that, which I love to do. But what will really show him that we love him is by doing what he's asking us to do. But how do we know how to live in this wholehearted obedience to him? What does it look like to live in wholehearted obedience to them? You know, the answer is in here. The answer to how we live in wholehearted obedience is in here. You know, this Bible, it tells us what pleases him. It tells us what will give us fulfillment. It tells us what will give us life to the whole. It tells us what, what we need to do to, to show our love for God. I'd like to read a passage from Romans 13. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. And it's Romans 13, verse 8 to 14. says here, verse 8, don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and every other commandment can be summed up in these words. Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. 
Love makes it impossible to harm another. So love fulfills all that the law requires. We must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness and debauchery, not in promiscuity and sensuality, not being argumentative or jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourself into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. You know, this word helps us to know all about how to live like that, how to live loving others, how to live in loving and valuing God and others around us, how to live in obedience to him. You know, when I read this word, it does provoke me. It challenges me, it challenges my thoughts, it challenges my behavior, it rebukes me, it makes me realize the things I'm doing and it's not good. But also, it fills me with hope, it fills me with confidence and faith, and it helps me to see how much God loves me, and it provokes me to want to live for him. This is something that we need to just devour. We need to know it. We need to love it. We need to make it every part of our lives so that we know what pleases God. You know, he transforms us. When it transforms our lives, we can please God by living in wholehearted obedience to him. Um, I want to just, just take this final couple of minutes to give you the opportunity to, to respond to, to everything I've said. And I know it's a really, really challenging word. It's a challenging word for all of us. And, um, but it's a good word because it gives us a, a, an amazing promise of a, an amazing life fulfilled with joy and power and peace. You know, and if we can take hold of this challenge and let it transform us, we will know such an amazing relationship with God, our Father. So I just want to give you a moment just to think about, about your own life, about what it looks like to live in righteousness to God. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you um, in an area of life where you found it hard to be righteous and stand for in obedience to God and he, and he wants to help you with that and he wants to minister to you and he wants to show you his love and his forgiveness. So let's just take a moment now, just allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you. Father, I just want to just thank you, God, for everything that you've done for us. 
I just want to thank you, God, that, that, Lord God, that you are here with us right now, Lord. I thank you, God, that you make your home with us. I thank you, God, that you make us your children. I thank you, God, that you lead us by your Holy Spirit and you fill us with yourself. And that, Lord God, right now in our hearts, we long to, to live our lives for you. Right now in our hearts, Lord God, we say, Lord, have your way. Be the Lord of our lives. Be the boss of our lives. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for this new and fresh opportunity that you give us to walk in your ways. Thank you, Jesus.